Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. The mental program operates on a functionally different plane to other programs. And I say that not arrogantly, but because we believe that trading is an idiosyncratic endeavor. You can't take my plan and trade it because it's mine. I can't take yours and trade it because it's yours. The job of a mentor program is to get you to a point where you actually have your plan. And it's your plan for any instrument over any time frame that you want to trade it becomes idiosyncratic and fitted to you. Hi, this is financial journalist Caroline Stephen and this is Talking Trading. Well, many of the world markets are bouncing back to pre-COVID levels or beyond. And as vaccines are rolling out around the planet, today we're taking an in-depth look at the markets with Chris Tate. The week ending the 21st of May, 2021. CT, hello. Hey, Caroline, how are you? The US bull market just keeps going. How has it performed? You can't seem to stop the Yanks. It's it's really quite surprising. But once they got over the initial shock of COVID, it's really just been one-way traffic. Now, there is a qualifier in there, and the qualifier is twofold. One is that the broader market, as say designated by the Russell 2000, is has been going sideways for this first quarter of this year. So the broader market is perhaps not as buoyant as the more narrow indices, such as the Dow and the S&P 500. And, of course, the the standout is always the NASDAQ. Mm. But the NASDAQ of late has been a little bit bumpy. past three weeks, four weeks, has seen it come off the boil a little bit. But again, and one, one of the things that is intriguing is that whenever we get this sort of market either near a, near a old high or past an old high or where they're turning off a high a little bit, there always seems to be this, this sort of rich vein of charts that appear in my LinkedIn feed where people go, it's 2008 or 1987 or the 1920s all over again. And they all make this fundamental mistake of, A, believing that the past is the present or maybe even the future, and the fact that you can just overlay chance without any regard to their scaling both now and in the past. But what, what it means to me is that people don't seem to understand that markets have a natural ebb and flow. They go up, and then, strangely enough, they actually go down occasionally. But it might just be that the market has come off the boil a little bit, having gone from effectively 7,000 points to 14,000 points in a year. So it might actually be logical that the market just lifts the handbrake for a little while 
and people take a deep breath. Let's go to Europe. Germany's bounced back. Vaccine rollouts are well underway in Europe. How is Europe looking? The Europeans are an interesting case, and they're interesting because you would expect great similarities between them. And you do see this when you look at things like the EU50 and the DAX. They're effectively the one index. But the standout non-entity in Europe is, surprise, surprise, the FTSE 100. It, it, it is now lagging the rest of Europe. Now, I, I could be snarky and say, well, that's to be expected because your country is run by a buffoon. Snarky. Snarky. <laughs> and that this, this is simply what you're seeing is a result of that, whereas Europe is not run by buffoons and you're seeing the result of that. You're probably also seeing, look, if you, if you want to build a narrative around it, what you are probably also seeing is a trading block unaffected by Brexit versus a tiny little island that still believes it has an empire, which is strange enough finding out it is affected by Brexit. <laughs> so what's actually happening is the markets are telling you a story and the market always tells you the true story because the market's always right. And if you have things like CAC 40, DAX, Eurostoxx 40, all moving to highs and the FTSE not, that, that's telling you a story. Yes. And the story is that these markets have confidence in themselves looking forward because markets are forward-facing, whereas people don't have confidence in the FTSE in the future. So you're actually always being told the story. Nikkei has had a good run. How's Asia going? The Nikkei has actually been intriguingly interesting uh, simply because for the first time in, look, I won't say living memory, <laughs> it's, it's actually had a run whereby you can look at it and go, well, hell, that's pretty interesting actually because you're talking about a move from what, oh, 17,500 to 30,000, which is a very, very, very good run for the Nikkei because when you look at the Nikkei on a long-term chart, it's, it's very much the exemplar of what can go wrong when it goes wrong structurally within an economy. You have this high at the end of the 1980s and you have a bear market that has occurred for the last 30 years. Mm. And you can make the argument that the Nikkei has been in a bear market with counter-trend retracements for the past 30 years. But what, what is interesting when you look at Asia is that the Hang Seng is beginning to look more and more like something like uh, the FTSE China 50, both the China 50 and the A50. They now tend to look very, very similar to one another. And the problem you have with the Hang Seng is firstly, narrow index. Second is narrow index, quite illiquid. The third is simply the state of unrest and the fact that what you might be seeing is one of these generational changes in that Hong Kong is no longer the centre of Asian finance. Mm. Singapore becomes the centre of Asian finance. Why might that be? Uh, one, civil unrest. Two, it, it's not overstating it to say that the Chinese have no rule of law that is functionally understandable to the West. Their law just seems to be a series of made-up bits and pieces depending on who's in power, who's liked, who's disliked. It is very, very much a throwback to the old Stalinist days of people in and out of favour, people being purged, 
And that applies to people in business. So if you were a Hong Kong billionaire, you'd be going, screw this, I'm out of here. Yeah, I might move. I might move somewhere. <laughs> uh, my, my vast fortune will buy me a vastly expensive house in Turak or the northern suburb somewhere. Away we go. And I might actually move my business to Singapore because Singapore, A, highly educated population, same system of law I used to be used to because it's the British system of law. Mm. So corporate law is understandable. Interactions with people are understandable and they're not southern, subject to government whim. And so we might move to Singapore. And you might over the next 20 years see one of these structural changes where Singapore becomes, sorry, Hong Kong becomes a relative backwater compared to what it used to be. Hong Kong was a fishing village and people are saying it's going to go back to being a fishing village. Look, it wouldn't surprise me because sooner or later you will lose your best and brightest, that they will go somewhere else. If they feel that life is, is, is this series of awful happenstance events that they have no control over because the government is irrational and insane, then they're going to go somewhere else. You're going to simply look, thanks for that. No, we're leaving. Well, let's look at Australia. How do we look? We're back to pre-COVID levels. We are. Look, it hasn't been the easiest road to get there, simply because when you look at the US markets, Dow sort of starts down here at 7,000, heads in an almost linear fashion. Uh, sorry, NASDAQ starts at 7,000, heads in almost a linear fashion at 14,000. We sort of bounce, go sideways, bounce, go sideways, bounce, go sideways. And it's this very stop-starts-to-carto sort of approach. And what you notice when you look at equities is no one segment gets a continuous run-on for time. So you might have a situation where for, you know, the rare earths get their 15 minutes of fame and then stop. Gold gets a 15 minutes of fame and then stops. Coal and iron ore get 15 minutes of fame and stops. And the banks are just stuck. And so we don't get that thing where you get, strangely enough, where we have, we've had a bull market in commodities where we haven't had that continuous movement in a market segment where, let's say, the only things that pop up on your scan at the weekend are gold stocks. That, that doesn't happen. You're getting dribs, drabs, mixed bits and pieces. If you were to look for a segment, that over the past year had a very, very, very solid movement, it would be those that benefited from online shopping, the Kogans, the Temple and Webster, but also the payment facilitators like Afterpay who power that by funding it. They're the only ones. Other than that, the market is a hodgepodge and it becomes a hodgepodge where you simply just have to take the signals as they occur and go, I have no idea why this segment is running and I have no idea now why it has stopped running. I do want to touch on commodities, but I really want to ask a question on Bitcoin first because it's taken a thumping between Elon Musk cutting his stake in the crypto and tighter regulation from China. It's plummeted. That, that was to be... I'm, I'm always surprised by people who are surprised. And I don't know whether that's a double positive or a double negative, so Not, it doesn't... It's anything. ontology. I just doesn't mean anything that people go. It went down. What, 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 what was your what was your expectation 
But it went way down. Look, it did. But when you look at the way bubbles burst, bubbles don't come off by going, oh, we're at 58,000 today and tomorrow will be 57 and a half and next week will be 56 and a half, maybe 55. There you go. We're 58 today. I think by the middle of next week, we might be 34 <laughs> because that, that's, that's the way they exist because bubbles are driven by an extreme of emotion. And the moment that extreme switches and it doesn't switch off, it switches. It's not like it gets to 58,000 and holds. It gets to 58,000, everyone goes, oh, my guru god, Elon Musk said. More importantly, the Chinese went, mate, we're not having any of that. Think of it as, oh, this is going to sound terrible. Think of it as a teenage girl. Oh, God. A teenage girl is either immensely positive or the world is going to end. And there's no middle ground. There's none whatsoever. What about Dogecoin? Well, I think the expression there is sucked in. <laughs> if it, I don't. I don't know whether that's a trading term. Look, one one of the things that is intriguing. Let, let me relate a story. When I was a broker, during during the eighties bull market, you get presented with all sorts of strange ideas for funding that people fall for, and there are all sorts of nonsense things during the eighties, just as there were during the dot com boom. A, a group of brokers and capitalists I know were presented with this thing that this guy fronted up and said, look, I've got this cupboard that's an ironing cupboard. What you do is you put the crinkly shirt in one end, it goes along a little conveyor, and the cupboard, through a very, very clever piece of mechanical engineering, irons itself, and it comes out the other end perfectly done. And, they, and, and brokers being thick said, that's genius, let's have a look at it. So they went along because people have been funding it to look at it. And it, sort of the long and the short of it is what would happen is this guy would put the shirt in one end. There was a very, very, very small bloke inside the cupboard. There was nothing else inside the cupboard other than a small bloke. And you know when you go into clothing stores, they have a steamer that they use when clothes yeah. are on a rack to take yeah. the wrinkles out. He was in there using that and then he'd push it out the other end. And it would still come out a little bit wrinkly and the brokers and the venture capitalists will go, it's still wrinkly. And his brilliant response was, yes, that's why we need the funding to work the kinks out of it because it's not quite perfect yet. <laughs> most of Bitcoin in, in whatever iteration it is, most cryptos in whatever iteration it is, is a version of that cupboard. And eventually one day, I think, during one of these funding meetings, the back fell off and the guy fell out. That, that is the nature of these markets. It, it just is. Very quickly. Now, sorry, copper's shooting up. How's precious metals? The, the interesting thing about commodities, if you look at the best performing markets over the past year, so let's look back a year, 365 days, 52 weeks. Strangely enough, lumber outperforms Bitcoin. <laughs> And, and, and when you look at the, the, the top handful, you've got lumber, soybean oil, ethanol, corn, lean hogs, heating oil. Precious metals have been doing their thing, but the interesting issue with precious metals over the past year is the poor performance of gold. Yes. Gold's yes. only up 8% over the past year. Its performance has been a laggard. Silver is caught in a range trade. The power drivers there 
copper and the derivative high-grade copper have been the real, real powerhouses. They've had extraordinary bull markets. Now, the, the, the question is, what is the longevity of a bull market in what is effectively a bounded market? And what I mean by bounded is you, you won't have a situation where, let's pick a figure, you'll, you'll go to bed one night and copper is a dollar and you'll wake up in three years' time and it's $600, which might happen with an equity. It doesn't happen because commodity markets are bounded by supply and demand, but also government intervention, a little bit like FX. So the question becomes, how far can a market that's had an extraordinary run, like the soy complex or corn, like copper, how far can it actually go before it begins to run into these issues? And the unfortunate answer to that question is not a clue. Like not an absolute clue, because because sooner or later, commodities become too expensive for the people who buy them. The thing that people forget about commodities is that there is an end user of the process. So people will buy commodities like rare earths or precious metals to actually use in an industrial process. Yes, there is speculation going on, but there is an end user who sooner or later will go, it's too expensive. And they will just stop their forward orders and collapse their inventory. And so you, you then get a change in the supply-demand balance. When that will happen, no idea. Between yourself and Louise Bedford, you have over 50 years of market experience, CTU, to run the Training Gang Mentor Program, which is a repeat-for-free six-month course. If you want to be a trader and a profitable one, why is the Mentor Program the place to be? I think it simply comes back to the mentor program operates on a functionally different plane to other programs. And I say that not arrogantly, but because we believe that trading is an idiosyncratic endeavour. You can't take my plan and trade it because it's mine. I can't take yours and trade it because it's yours. The job of a mentor program is to get you to a point where you actually have your plan. And it's your plan for any instrument over any time frame that you want to trade. It becomes idiosyncratic and fitted to you. It's like everybody has, or should have at least once during their life, a favourite chair. That chair is fitted to them over years of them using it. It is theirs. It might not fit a different body shape or size as well. It might not be as comfortable. And I think one of the great mistakes people make in trading is to think that I'll just copy this thing off the internet. Well, how do you know their aims, aspirations, personality, time constraints, family constraints, professional background are the same as yours? You don't. And, and so you're caught trying effectively to put on the wrong pair of shoes and be comfortable in the wrong pair of shoes. CD, any final advice for traders this week? Oh, look, markets go up and markets go down, as people have found with crypto, much to their surprise. <laughs> CT, thanks for your time. Thanks, Caroline. And next week on Talking Trading, we have investor Andrew Stotts on financial lessons that every trader should know. It's a good one. We'll see you next week. Take care.
always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcast and make sure you give us a big, fat five-star review. You'll also notice that Talking Trading doesn't use sponsors and barely advertisers. This is because Chris Tate and Louise Bedford fund this show from tradinggame.com.au. If you'd like to get Louise's five-part free e-course, register at tradinggame.com.au. So until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are generally nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.